0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Payments Podium. Today, we are going to touch on some actually, let's say, serious subjects that happen in the financial world. There are a lot of things that, a lot of aspects that we cover on the Payments Podium, and today, I'm really glad I'm bringing Ian in. He actually represents the Noble and Mission Omega, and during this conversation, he's going to help us understand what those two organizations are. So, Ian, I'd like to welcome you to the Payments Podium.
1: Hey, Kevin, thank you very much. And thank you for those investing their time to listen to us. And, you know, the whole message of this is that how we in payments and banking can do good and run a great business. And so, uh, so I look forward to having that uh, conversation with you.
0: Well, I got to tell you, everybody listening is already knowing that the first question is going to be, how did you get started in electronic banking? Except I'm throwing a curveball. I don't want to go that route. I want to do the route more of, can you explain to us who you are and what you do? I mean, maybe the short elevator speech, because I'm sure as we go along, we'll get more of what you do as we're going along. So who's Ian and what's the noble, what's Mission Omega?
1: Well, who's Ian is a much deeper question than we have time for. But I will tell you, one of the things I do is I'm a 25-year fraud fighter, been in banking for a long time, head of fraud at several banks. Um, I also founded a nonprofit called The Noble that Fights Human Crime. I am a singer, songwriter. I've been writing and recording music for about 30 years. And my whole life's mission is to be a part of uh, making the world better through the couple skills that I have and uh, trying to be as quirky and as unique as I can be in the process, I guess. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot we can do, um, all kidding aside. Um, and I try to live out of that um, because I spent 20 years of my career living out trying to be the best fraud fighter I can, not realizing that there were human beings behind each transaction. And it sounds so silly, but I was so programmed to fight fraud, reduce losses, balance customer experience, manage successful payment uh, mechanisms. But, um, uh, you know, people being bought and sold or people being exploited through financial transactions was something that I missed until uh, several years ago. So so that's kind of my life's mission now is to be a part of a community of bankers and payment professionals, law enforcement to come together to fight uh, protect, protect people, fight human crime, you know, fight the evils of the world. There's a lot we can do.
0: Well, one of the things I get out of that, and it's, it's something that I tell a lot of people in you know, our sector of the industry or just actually in the industry, there's more behind what you're doing. You know, some people yeah. say, hey, I just processed the payment. And I'll tell them, yeah, but that payment might be the down payment on somebody's very first home, or that payment might be for their son to be the first person in their family to ever go to school. So there's more to it than what you might see at the surface level. And what I'm hearing is you've discovered that when it comes to fighting fraud, one of the biggest topics in the industry, regardless of the payment channel, there's a level or two that goes deeper behind just the, hey, we had fraud occur. Can we you know, maybe elaborate more on what that is and what's actually happening there?
1: Yeah, so I mean, criminal activities do things for lots of various reasons, but one of them, you know, the financial motivation behind a lot of these financial crimes, if you will, um, using financial twice in a sentence. But i gotta tell you, I think I didn't under, I underestimated, I didn't realize the financial motivation behind some of these human crimes. Like the issue we're seeing right now, one of the biggest financial crime issues, I argue the biggest is scams, and the muling that's going on related to people having their life savings and their hopes and dreams and financial futures stolen by these scams or being duped into romance scams and the like. Um, we're seeing that extraction of money from innocent people, and we're that is a financially motivated crime. And we're learning that more child sexual exploitation, and we probably should say that if anybody's on guys me on speaker and there's kids around. In a car, there may be some things that may be sensitive here, and and not intentionally, but just a part of what we deal with. But the exploitation of children or or even human trafficking, being financially motivated aspects of crimes, we're seeing this intersection between payments. And that's the vehicle in which these criminals are pulling and extracting illegal monies or ill-gotten monies. Um, And it's not just fraud to enrich themselves, but in some cases, it's to exploit people. And I think that's the lens where I'm seeing the financial industry, the payments industry, wake up and want to get involved um, and put their skills to use to protect the human being behind the transaction.
0: Okay. I've seen you speak before and I've done a little research. So I want to clarify that what I'm hearing and everybody Mm -hmm. else out there, what they're hearing is, If if I'm hearing you right, when you say that, hey, there's some of these crimes that take place, you know, the regular scams that we know about, where, you know, somebody got the romance scam, lost their life savings, you know, where the elderly person got exploited. And the underlying thing is that that money actually goes to fund some of these more evil things that we don't realize or see on, on such a regular basis, that that money that that person got scammed out of, that got stolen from them, that thief is even worse and more rotten than we thought. And using it to fund the exploitation of human trafficking Kevin,
1: what I'll tell you is like there in the world of human crimes, we focus on four primary human crimes, the trafficking, human trafficking, which includes sex trafficking and labor trafficking, which is also known as modern slavery. Um, The United Nations said there's almost 50 million people caught in modern slavery today. That's more slaves than ever in human history. The child sexual exploitation of children sexually through material online, um, through live streaming of videos, all these terrible things that we could talk about, Um, the, the scams and stealing monies in all various forms, romance scams and employment scams and all these Scams. It's amazing the proliferation of scams that are happening on and the elder financial exploitation. Um, There are organized rings behind some of these. There are organized rings behind these activities that are targeting innocent people um, to exploit them for financial gain. That's the truth behind so many of these crimes. And so that intersection point, as we're seeing now, and even more evil, Kevin, as we're seeing the intersection between scams and human trafficking, for example, there's this whole human trafficking centers that are uh, scam centers are being set up all around the world that are employing and enslaving people to teach them how to commit scams against us and steal money against us. And so they're seeing this intersection, if you will, diversification of criminal rings that are uh, exploiting our financial industry. And that's the part, the underlying part of these, what we're seeing today and becoming more aware of and working with law enforcement on. Well,
0: I got to tell you, I've been in this industry for decades and I Mm -hmm. knew about these countries that are out there that they do. They have businesses set up basically in these countries to rip, you know, Americans off. Let's just put it like it is in other countries, too and they will they'll do the training like you're saying and all that but i never put together that it's you know these guys are so rotten it's not that they're just stealing from the u.s accounts but they're also then using it to fund some of these things that are i mean they're horrific so i'm here the next thing is that that's what's happening how do we get across first of all to people in the industry Take this even more serious than what you have before, because here's what you're really stopping when you do that. You're not just protecting your account holder. You're helping a nameless, faceless person out there that needs it even more so than you'd ever imagine.
1: Yeah, so I'm just one of thousands of payments and banking professionals that have come to get involved. Um, the nonprofit I started in 2019 is called The Noble, The Noble with a K, uh, made up of financial crime, financial services, executives working with law enforcement around the world, happened to be in the payments and banking industry, coming together to learn together in a non-competitive way and try to protect people with the skills that we have, which happens to be you know, big data and transaction monitoring and, um, and all those kind of components that are the very nucleus of our successful payment environment worldwide. And so coming together to learn together and to protect people together, I think is the realization that we're all walking in. Um, I always like to say bankers with heart. There's a whole lot of, I mean, the noble's made up of Thousands of financial over a thousand financial institutions, thousands of financial crime and fraud fighters, and and retail branch employees and such that are coming together to try to be educated and educate each other and support the law enforcement efforts, not just in the U.S. but around the world. Um, and I think that's what's powerful. So how do we come? How do we fight this proliferation of evil? Well, we fight. Um, remember. Uh, a lot of evils taking place because they distort what's used, what's intended for good. And we see this a lot, even in the banking sector, when we roll out a new capability or a new channel, somebody finds it and exploits it. That's what's happening. So the way we combat that is with the very tools that we're putting into place and that they're using against us. And it starts with people. Um, That's where the noble is a network of people. It starts with people coming in and opening their aperture every day at work and realizing I can do something in my current job to protect people. And so that's the core. We have more good people in the fight than bad people. I think that's the-
0: I, so, I, I got to interrupt you real quick. Yeah, I know some people yeah. are going, the Noble with a K. First simple, easy question is, where, where do we find more information about the Noble with a K? in case somebody's looking for is it noble.org? Do I just-
1: The noble.com. It's funny. I couldn't get org. It's owned by a pest control company. So we are a .com, even though we're a nonprofit. So the K-N-O-B-L-E.com and- Um, that's that's what we do and so we do initiatives we've done initiative around the Super Bowl over 30 banks come together every year to look for detect human trafficking around the Super Bowl not that the Super Bowl is linked to an increase in trafficking but that's a great catalyst we've done work work around the world games we're doing a project uh, now actively with uh, about 33 of the top 50 financial institutions in the US coming together to detect the child the exploitation of children um, through financial transactions it's amazing to me, credit unions, large banks, small banks, regional payment and payment constructs and companies coming together, wanting to work together to protect people um, because again, they're financially motivated. So who best to get involved in the fight than the people that show up every day in financial institutions all around the world. And I think that's the premise of the noble. That's why I sat, I started it. I was sitting, talking to thousands of financial crime fighters in a, in a big conference. And I'm talking about one of our domain topics and I realized if we could wake them up, they have the best people, the data, training, tools, technology, we'd outflank all the bad actors in the world. And I think that's the crux of the noble, us coming together, working together to protect people and using the skills we have every day to make money and service customers. Let's use those to fight evil. And I think that's what we've been doing. And uh, that's pretty much why after retiring seven years ago from banking, I'm now back in full force. Um, trying to help make the world better with a lot of wonderful people around the world.
0: All right, here's what I already think everybody out there listening is thinking because I know it's what it, I'm thinking. So what do I do? So if I am that person that's at the credit union, I am that person that's at the bank, who's probably you know, working, let's say, in the operations department, working in the fraud department, something like that, who is involved in all of this, You know, the question comes up, what can I do? How can I get involved? What, what's the next step for me?
1: Two, two, I'll answer two simple ways. One has to do with a nonprofit. One has to do with my for-profit I set up. The nonprofit is just getting involved and joining the roundtables. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You, in 2018, I was not a human crime expert at all. And I still arguably am not. I'm learning things every day from people much smarter than me. Get involved. Bring your heart to work. Join a nonprofit movement of financial institution professionals all around the world to learn from each other. That's one thing. You can do that. So then you learn how to take that back to your job. The second example is why I started the for-profit company. I started a for-profit company with my business partner, and my reason for starting that is to support the nonprofit. We give 10% of our gross revenue. We're now becoming one of the leading fraud consulting companies in the world. Um, it's amazing what we've been able to do. But I was in a meeting at the Tennessee governor's office um, having a conversation with survivor, human trafficking survivor organizations, and I asked, what can I do to help you? And they said, Ian, we need jobs. The recidivism rate of a survivor falling back into trafficking is so high because they get a job at Walmart or McDonald's. They can't employ their, you know, they can't break the cycle. And I'm thinking in fraud, we need good people. And so one of the things we are trying to do, we haven't perfected this, but we're trying to build a business that teaches survivors and veterans and other people that maybe are less fortunate to fight fraud. Because we need great people in the industry fighting fraud. We need great training, So we built training programs and trauma-informed work environments. We're still walking this out. So anybody who's a hiring manager, my encouragement is there's so much we can do as an employer to take on chance on somebody and give them opportunity. And that doesn't have to be a survivor of human trafficking. It can be somebody that's lower privileged in any aspect of life. If we spend the time and the effort to educate, to lift up, to lend a helping hand, that's the way we change the world. And so so, uh, so there's just such an opportunity for the payments industry um, to do good. and it doesn't have to be everybody needs to be human trafficking experts is my main point. But get involved. That's the biggest thing. Make decisions where you are. whether you're building programs, doing analytics, doing policies, compliance there's, there's room for everybody. To get involved and take what matters to you, something that moves your heart, and start doing something about it where you are. You don't have to go elsewhere or start a nonprofit. You can do it right where you are. And I think that's one of the biggest things. My first 20 years in banking. I didn't realize, I thought I had the Ian that was the corporate guy doing really well. And then the Ian that was, had a heart and was traveling around with the guitar playing all over the country music at these retreats and all those kind of things. I thought those were different people. And what I've come to realize is actually, no, they're the same person and they should have been the same person. I would have been a lot more effective in helping people had I brought my full self to work. And I, I think that's one of the lies maybe we believed in corporate America. We need to bring our heart to work. We need to be not afraid to express our passions In the work we do of course in the parameters set by our companies but at the same time bring yourself to work i think that's gonna way our world's gonna get so much better
0: i have to agree completely i love too where you mentioned a couple times where you are i hear from people all the time how can i make a difference where can i make a difference and it starts wherever you're at right now by you just doing whatever you can and you mentioned too the getting involved with some of the groups Where can we find more information about those groups? And and one of the things in getting involved in that, too, I like to tell people because I remember early in my career when I got in some of these groups, I was intimidated. There were people, you know, with a lot more experience and education than me, and I didn't want to speak up and say anything. And I had a mentor that said, you don't have to. You just sit there and listen and learn what you can. And one day you will speak up. And now here I am doing podcasts on payments. So, you know, I know that can happen, but where can people find out more about those groups to be able to join, maybe go to their manager and say, hey, where can can we start getting involved in this?
1: That's the model. What you just said is exactly the way. So the where you get plugged in, um, check out the noble.com. Um, There's roundtables you can go on. I think the last scams roundtable we had, we had 480 people registered. The last human trafficking, over 300 people registered. Our child exploitation project, I think we just trained 180 investigators on how to work child exploitation cases, come together and jump in and get involved. This year, we're over 600 active already, active people involved on a regular basis, learning with each other, and it's with and from each other. So that's it. Your local community. Uh, I'm here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've lived in five countries, 13 states. Blessed to call Chattanooga home. It's an amazing place of all places. I never would have guessed I'm here. There are survivor organizations. There are organizations that help with abused people. There are, oh, get involved where you are in the local community. Um, that's that's another avenue. There's there's plenty of them. And so um, I think the goal is is that we have to make sure we're living continually in a posture of learning. And I think we get to a place in our career we think our learning's done when we leave college or we mm-hmm. earn a job for a couple of years. But if we can surround ourselves with things that interest, interest us and, like you said, ask questions and be open to receiving and figure out in an introspective moment how you can help, not just writing checks. I think that is helpful, but actually get involved with the problem that's near and dear to you with your energy and your fingers and your toes and your feet. And like, so I think that's one of the things that we need to learn um, how to do. And I know I've been trying to learn how to do that for the last seven years.
0: Uh, I'm there with you, brother. Uh, I I tell everybody, the best thing you can do today is help somebody else get something done. And you'll just be amazed at what it will do for you when you do something for somebody else. Now, I also hear this one a lot too. I don't know where to start. I don't Mm -hmm. know what to do. I will tell people just Google it, see what comes up on Google. But in this case, let's say if it's hiring of survivors, if it's trying to work with maybe offering some assistance even to survivors, maybe volunteering your time, how would somebody go about finding one of those organizations? Like, yeah, I'm in Tampa. How would I find one in Tampa? What would I do?
1: It's recognizing um, what I would love to say is, you know, so much of our world, it's not a business business. It's a people business we operate in. And just know like you're a payments expert. Just know that you, those that are listening are in this field and you're an expert in your domain. There are other people that are experts in whatever you have a heart for, whether it's, you know, inner city um, or or education. And so it's you coming in with the intention to offer what you have to assist them. Um, I have not met a nonprofit organization in any country in the world that has said, I don't need, it has not said I need help. I mean, that's the important thing. I was at the United nations a couple months ago and I'm listening about this. The first day was listening from all these amazing organizations all around the world, fighting child exploitation. And all of them said, I need help. We need help from the tech companies we need. And so you just coming in and like you said, Google it, you coming in and understand and, the other thing is, don't be afraid to have this conversation. You don't have to be an expert just to say, you know what, um, with your vendors or with your with, with your local community or with those you're on the phone. Just say, have you ever heard of human trafficking? Have you ever heard of child exploitation? Just whatever is important to you, you know, inner city kind of work or education of underprivileged. There's whatever is near. Have that conversation in your circles. I think that's important, and it's be amazing as you start meeting people where they go. I don't know about that, but I know somebody that does. Mm. We have to start leveraging our networks to do good. And so I think that's the part where we all need a little bit of courage and a little bit of, you know, fingers on keyboards, Google it, or be afraid to to ask your your current inner circle.
0: And it's amazing how the universe will respond when you put the question out there. Now, uh, to drag it back into a little bit of banking, because I know we're getting out there and I love those types of conversations. Is there anything that a person who is, you know, processing fraud, a person who's doing operations, maybe even a teller, is there anything you can say to them that here's some of the things to be on the lookout for? Here's some of the things that you may not have noticed or realized before, but these could be indicators that there's actually more going on than what you're aware of.
1: So we have, as part of the Noble, it's free for all individuals to join. We have scenarios for all of the major types of human crimes that you can take. For free, you have to be vetted. We want to make sure that this, this doesn't get in the hands of the bad actors, but it's you can take and put it into your systems tomorrow, maybe with a little help, massaging, learning from each other. But there's that. What I will tell you is the one really basic example, and anybody that's, that knows this is going to know how basic it is. But what really broke for me inside is I met with a one of the world leaders in human trafficking, happenstance coffee, and he started talking to me about even dollar transactions in the middle of the night at a nail salon or a massage parlor. And I remembered in that moment, and I knew nothing about trafficking. I'm actually a music hippie with skinny jeans and a big beard getting ready to you know go on tour kind of thing. and I remember hearing in that moment and realizing that I had seen those transactions. I had seen transaction come at two o'clock in the morning at a massage parlor, and I was more worried about them being a fraudulent merchant than realizing that behind that even dollar transaction maybe there was somebody being button sold and it's such a simple example and for those that are in the space, I'm sorry, I know you've heard it a hundred times. But that simple example is what took me back to realize that maybe it wasn't a fraudulent merchant I was looking at. Maybe it wasn't a bad merchant. Maybe it wasn't a, maybe it was actually a person that was a merchant that was operating a legitimate business by day, but then by night doing something that wasn't. And so that was the linchpin for me that realized I needed to learn more. And so together we've identified scenarios, high risk websites, financial patterns of child live streaming acts against children all these kind of things, we're trying to uncover this and advance that through the use of data and analytics and such.
0: So in one way, I want to say, tell people don't just assume everything's okay look and see if something's out of the ordinary or seems like out of normal maybe you should look a little bit deeper into that and you've got the scenarios that can help to identify that now now something i got to tell you because i deal a lot with the instant payment networks that are out there you probably have heard of like FedNow, rtp these new yeah. payment rails that are coming that are going to immediately make funds available they're going to be 24 365 and I'm just curious, does that mean there'll be new patterns? Because there's no doubt in my mind, fraudsters, bad people are going to use these because good people are going to use them too. Everybody will use them. That's just a fact. But with it being 24-7, 365, being immediate funds availability, it is U.S. only though, is, is that something that you know this, this money will move through those rails too?
1: Well, see, well, I have to start by saying I love innovation and I think there's going to be there's innovation in this space and I'm very grateful to it. So the idea of new payment rails doesn't scare me, but the reality of um, people like to say, well, this is only happening in crypto. But actually, we're seeing the current exploitation of people happen in crypto, in open debit cards, and ACHs, and wires, and cash apps, and Venmos, and all. I can name all these. And there's no nothing inherently wrong with any of these. But what we've learned is we did a survey of 19 survivors of human trafficking. I was getting anecdotal evidence from everywhere. And I said, I want to hear from survivors. And so we partnered with a survivor organization. And when we talked to them about how the financial industry is being used against Uh, against uh, or being exploited, Uh, we found out that these traffickers are so organized. uh, They use big banks, small banks, local banks, national banks. They're so structured. They diversify their payment usage. They're, They're not the stereotypical person on the street corner that's not educated. They actually are managing a business in so many respects. So I will tell you the new payment mechanisms, we need to be thinking about the opportunity for exploitation now just like we need to be thinking about how autonomous vehicles will be exploited in the trafficking of people. Like, so us as risk professionals, us as, as stewards of these amazing innovations that we have, we also need to come in and go, okay, so how would I, how would this be used for evil? And then we need to preemptively start putting controls in place. And I think that's the key. There are so many good people at the clearinghouse and the fed that are smart and are think, trying to think ahead Um, But it's going to take all of us working together and, um, you know, opening our aperture just a little bit to start worrying not just about financial problems like fraud and money laundering, but human problems.
0: I got to agree. I think, you know, we've got all different types of fraud controls and concerns. Let's put them there. Let's understand there's deeper levels to why we're putting them there. And also, you know, not want to tell people be prepared for when you do identify that something happens to have policies and procedures to stop it from ever happening again. That That, that is one of the key things. Now, uh, before we run out of time, I want to make sure that people understand you've got two companies that you work with. You've got okay. the Noble and you've got Mission Omega. Both of them serve great purposes and help in humanity, in my opinion, and the banking industry. So can we just end by clarifying the difference between the Noble and Mission Omega and where people can find more information on the two?
1: Yeah, the Noble is the nonprofit I started in 2019. And Noble with a K. (laughs) Noble with a K, the K-N-O-B-L-E dot com to work together in a neutral, non-competitive environment. What used to be competitors coming together to protect people. That's the reason I'm I cut my beard and wear wear normal jeans now. Mission Omega is the for-profit company I founded with Ben Wallach to bring integrity back to the fraud services space and live mission through work and a mission of protecting people to go ahead and employing people. And so that is missionomega.com. We have over 37 fraud consultants. Uh, we serviced over almost uh, 25 clients. We've only been around for two years. Um, we have operation centers and consulting. And that whole thing is to try to do work differently. So missionomega.com on that, um, really trying to do work differently personally. And, uh, and I know there's a lot of people coming around to want to do the same. So Thank you, Kevin, for this opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Um, and thank you for being here. And for all of you listening, again, that is The Noble with the a K, TheNoble.com, uh, where you can go find out about the nonprofit and then MissionOmega.com, where you can find out about the for-profit, both of the organizations working to do what they can to help stop you know some of these bad things happening in the world. And for those of you listening, if there is a topic or even a speaker that you think needs to be on the payments podium, email me, Kevin, at PaymentsProfessor.com. I'll do my best to get that topic addressed or to get that speaker on here. But for now, I'm going to have to say, class dismissed.